This podcast may contain paid advertisements, but more on that later. Welcome to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast, where I discuss the nuts and bolts of business and leadership, with a focus on bootstrapping a business from the ground up. This podcast is for all entrepreneurs, bootstrappers, and leaders in all walks of life. My goal is to help you grow both personally and professionally. I am your host, Isaiah O'Connor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com has the world's largest collection of audiobooks and other spoken word content, such as college courses, podcasts, and Audible originals. Today's book that I recommend is a book I've recommended a few times before, which is the book 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. This book is directly responsible for this podcast as it inspired me to become an entrepreneur and becoming an entrepreneur led me to this podcast. So there you go. I highly recommend it. You can go over to audible.com forward slash bootstrap with a capital B and pick up a copy for free. If you sign up for the free 30-day trial, you get one audio book, two Audible originals, and access to a streaming library for an entire 30 days afterwards. It's only $14.95 a month. It's a great deal. You can go check it out. Again, audible.com forward slash bootstrap. And fittingly, the reason I mentioned that book is because today I have a guest that I mentioned last week, which is the author of that book. So let me tell you a little bit about Dan Miller. As I just said, Dan is the author of the New York Times bestselling 48 Days to the Work You Love. Over 140,000 people have subscribed to his weekly newsletter. His 48 Days podcast consistently ranks in the top 1% of all podcasts, helping listeners find or create work they love. And he also wrote a book, which I mentioned, called No More Dreaded Mondays, a, a call to become an entrepreneur and escape from a job. Really great book premise we talked about a little bit. I haven't read that one personally yet, but I've heard him talk about it, and he talks about it a bit in the podcast coming up, as well as another book, which I forgot the title, but he talks about that one, which I am definitely going to go in and take a look. Anyway, without any further ado, here is my interview with Dan Miller. Thank you, Dan, for coming on my little podcast. I am so happy to have you here. And you are one of the two people most directly responsible for this podcast even existing. You and Dave Ramsey. Oh, my. And it's because I heard about you from Dave Ramsey. And because I heard about your book, 48 Days, I went and got it. And even though I have not listened to the book in about three, four years, if you go back through my podcast, I'm constantly referencing it. So I still reference that book. And I haven't even listened to it in three years. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've got a business, sort of, at the moment. And I've got a wife a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and I've got a regular job now and a podcast. So I listen to my books these days. I don't sit down and read much. (laughs) Okay. I understand. So thank you so much. First of all, 
this pandemic has just wreaked havoc on small business, especially these days. My small business, as we talked just before I started recording here, I'm a balloon artist. I do balloon decor. I do balloon clowning, making balloons at kids' parties. And the event industry has just been gutted this last year because of Corona. And here, I'm in Norway. They've limited some of these events, have gotten limited to 10 people, 20 people. I had a lot of weddings lined up that got canceled. So, yeah, it's been kind of a rough year. But thankfully, because of Dave Ramsey, I only had one debt, and that was my uh, taxes. Because my accountant is horrible and messed oh. up the taxes, and I really, really want to fire him, but I can't afford to replace him yet. And it's because it's me. <laughs> I'm that accountant. <laughs> You're the bad accountant. Oh, Are yes. You- my skill set is not in staring at numbers. No, I've eventually figured it out. But yeah, I have a tax bill and still paying down on. But other than that, debt free on my business. So my business is still there. It's in a coma, but it's still there. Wow, that's tough, man. When you have a physical business like that, that got hit hard. Yes. So one of the reasons I was hoping to get you on is this podcast is the O'Connor bootstrap podcast because I think this has been a great year as rough it is as it is to start a new business or pivot into another business. Matter of fact, the guy I'm working for now started in 2019 and really blew up his business in 2020. And he's making arcade machine cabinets, full-on arcade machines. Really? And his business exploded in 2020. So it can be a great time to start. So I'm having you here to interview. I'm talking the whole time. Sorry, just laying some groundwork here. But what would you say to people who are looking at starting up a business right now? Is it crazy? I did a whole episode where I thought it was a great time to at least start planning, if nothing else. Well, it depends on the business. And of course, my answer is going to be some businesses, it's a fantastic time. And others, it's going to be challenging. And if you want to open up uh, a bookstore in your little hometown, it's probably not a good idea. You're going to have very limited audience. And the competition is pretty unrealistic with places like Amazon out there. On the other hand, I was perfectly positioned for what happened in 2020, 2020, having online coaching, online training, seminars, webinars, and online community. Everything that I had was accelerated last year. So without knowing what was coming, I was really perfectly positioned for that. And I'm not saying that that's the only kind of business that can, that can thrive. But if you're doing something that involves intellectual property, knowledge, now's a great time to do that. Mm. People are looking for specific kind of training. So, and if you have something like an online community where you're bringing people together, people are starved for connection. When we have the absence of physical connection, the online connection is a pretty good second substitute for that. So there's some kind of businesses that have really gone crazy and prospered a lot this last year. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good businesses for, uh, as you call it, Swiss dollars. Could you care yes. to explain Swiss dollars? 
I say that to someone like, what? Swiss? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not booking money in Switzerland, but it simply is an acronym meaning sales while I sleep soundly. And I'm pretty fond of that. So I try to help people, no matter what it is they're doing, find ways to create ongoing residual income. So you're not just paid by the hour or per effort that you put out or per one person at a time. And I look for things that I can do once and then get paid a thousand times. And there's a lot of things that are allow you to do that. Um, certainly writing a book is one, creating a course, being involved in um, multi-level marketing, direct sales. There's a lot of ways to do that where you start to see you can replicate this. I talked to a nurse just recently and she really wanted to provide elderly care, but was concerned about it just being locked in only so many hours in the week. I said, what if you set up a model where you would provide once a day contact with elderly for $1,000 a month? So you just give the family, you may live three states away or two countries away, peace of mind that somebody's going to contact them. So you do that for $1,000 a month. And you can do that yourself. I said, what if you realize you can establish trust and rapport with people easily? So you go out and get another eight families that are going to pay you $1,000 a month to do that. And now you pay a stay-at-home mom $3,000 a month, good income for her, actually do the work, and it puts $5,000 in your pocket to do that. What if you did that two more times? So now you got three of those where you're just overseeing, getting $5,000 a month, and one where you're doing the work yourself at $8,000, that's $23,000 a month. Well, just, I, I want her to change her mindset. See, that that's the key. It's not just go find a better job where you increase from $15 an hour to $20 an hour, change your mindset where you're not being paid by the hour, but you're being paid for the value that you bring. And it opens up a whole wide world of new opportunities for people. Yeah, value is so important. Uh, for my listeners, I harp on value like crazy. <laughs> I talk about businesses. I talk about the most important part of being in business is the value you can provide others including your employees, your employees' families. Can you tell I listened to Dave Ramsey? And yes. you know who I had on last week or two weeks ago? Uh, Rabbi Daniel LePin as well. I saw that in your notes. Congratulations. He's Thank awesome. You. He is. And he always talks about when you have a business, you're providing so much more value than you realize. He talks about Starbucks giving back. He's like, but you know how many people have great jobs with good benefits and healthcare just working? You're providing great value for them and their families. That's not right. Just giving back. That's right. And I like what you talk about pivoting. Matter of fact, I have never forgot. Maybe I've forgotten some of the details, but I heard you talking to Dave Ramsey one day. And because that never happens between you two, right? <laughs> not much in the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah, we've been great friends for a long time. But um, you were talking about a similar situation where there was a lady who worked at, like as an accountant at a firm or at a big company. I can't remember the exact details. And she got fired. You were talking about your book, No More Mondays. And she lost her job. And she was, what do I do now? And you suggested something very similar. Well, why don't you pick up a couple of different companies and charge them $1,000 or something like that to do it? And now she's making 10 times the money doing her day job. Absolutely. But now for herself. Yes. Yes. With more security, 
than she would have if she found another job where she may get fired two months from now anyway. Mm. Yeah, you, you increase. People have this illusion that there's security in having a company that writes you a paycheck. That's an illusion. You have security for seven days until the next paycheck is due and they make the decision again, do they want to keep you or not? Whereas if you have your own business and not to just talk everybody into being an entrepreneur, you can be a very introverted accountant as you're describing, but simply have 10 clients for whom you're doing the same kind of work you would be doing for one, you increased your security dramatically. You also more likely increased your pay dramatically as well, because it's a lot different to use somebody as a consultant or just contract with them for their unique service than it is to put them on the payroll for 40 hours a week. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. My cousin is a great example. And I talked about this a little bit with uh, the rabbi. It's I've seen a lot of people who are entrepreneurs that have no clue they're entrepreneurs. Let me explain. My cousin, he owns, I think, two or three companies. He just sold one company, officially sold it off. Uh, He's a contractor. So he just does contracting, building roofs and houses and stuff. And he goes all over the States. He's completely debt-free. He just sold one company for cash. He went and bought another land for cash. And he's like, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just a contractor. (laughs) Like a lot of people, my dad too, he started his own cleaning company. He's also worked as a manager. He started his own cleaning company. He did his own uh, karaoke shows where he was doing it as a business. And he's just like, oh, I'm just doing it. He doesn't really think about himself like an entrepreneur. He's just the janitor guy. But mm. that that can be something you do. So you can be an entrepreneur in the trades. You can be a welder. That's an entrepreneur. All this type of things. Now, there is, there is a difference. There's an important difference in that some people create a job for themselves. So if somebody's a welder, or even if somebody is an accountant and they have 10 clients now instead of one, they've created a job for themselves, but they don't really have a business in the way that we usually think of it as an entrepreneur. Hmm. Business implies that there's something that makes money, even while you're sitting on the beach enjoying time with your family. So if you walk out the door and the money stops, you've created a job for yourself perhaps, but it's not business by the technical definition of a business in that it generates money, even if you're not there. That's a pretty important distinction and something that a lot of times is right under somebody's nose and having the ability to do that, even if they don't want to have a lot of employees and all that, there's ways to do it other than that. Very good distinction. I I hadn't thought about that, which kind of, in a way, kind of brings me into the next thing I wanted to talk about is there's conflicting advice from people I really trust and like. So, for example, you wrote a book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And in Rabbi Levin, uh, Daniel Lapin, Lapin, can I pronounce his name correctly? He talks about you shouldn't just do something that you love. And I'm thinking there's got to be a balance in between those two because <laughs> as I was just listening to Entree Leadership again, I don't think Dave Ramsey would be a very great visa salesperson for some reason. I don't think he'd succeed very well. All right. You know, kids, he's not going to sell debt. Yeah. Um, And I, and I do, 
differ with uh, Rabbi Lappin on that issue. You know, I've talked about that. Yeah, he, he says, you know, the best thing to do is, is find a need and then fill that need. Well, that makes sense logically, but emotionally, it doesn't. Mm. I find a lot of people who have found need and filled it. And sometimes they are an attorney or a doctor or a dentist or somebody like that. So they're doing okay. They've filled a need and they're profiting financially, but they hate the life they've created for themselves. So I still go back to you're better off. You have more insulation again for the long term if you are doing something you absolutely love. And to me, it's a whole lot easier to make money doing something you love than trying to make yourself be responsible and just doing something that you're just doing to create a paycheck. So, yeah, we differ on that. Hey, that's fine. Friends mm -hmm. can differ and still be friends. And I kind of take a middle ground approach where you should choose something that you can love. So you might not be passionate about it to begin with, but you might be able to become passionate about. Very true. Good point. Absolutely. And as an example, a guy that I'm trying to get on the podcast, he's just been really busy, which I'm very happy because he's in the balloon industry as well. He's managed to get busy again. And he's a guy from Australia. And his mom did flowers and balloons and had her own balloon company. And he was a kid. He's like, I'm not doing this. I, I no way. I'm not going to go do balloons. I've done so many balloons with my mom. I'm done of it. Sick and tired of it. Didn't want to do it. Went off and got a degree in computers. And found himself back in the balloon business because he found that he liked it better. And he's now become very passionate about it because he could become passionate about it. There was still there. It was in him. Even though at first he was like, nah, I kind of bored with it. But now he's very passionate about it and he's built it up and he's built up a whole network of balloon artists in Australia. So people can go onto his website, click on it. They pay for whatever else. And the nearest balloon artist to them will deliver the balloons. And he, of course, he gets a commission on that. So he has developed a business. Like 1-800-Flowers or something. Exactly. Man and connect them. Awesome. Yeah. So. Great he, idea. Middle man, you know, I'm, I'm a middle guy. I, I find I don't like extremes. <laughs> All right. And unless the extreme is the truth, of course, whatever is the most true. Something like this. I look at it. I think you got to find something you can be passionate about because if you can't be passionate about it, it's not going to work. I like cooking. I hate being a cook. Mm. I like making food for my family, trying recipes. But have you ever worked as a cook at a restaurant? No, I stay far away from, I'm not passionate about food. Yeah. And yeah. Having a restaurant is the last business in the world I would want to yeah. own. And I know enough about restaurants that I would never want to own one. <laughs> it's very low profit margin, really hard to do. Right. But cooking for people in a restaurant is different from cooking with your family. Because how's this for stressful? You got a 10-person table. The first person orders a salad. And the last person orders a steak, well done, which takes 30 minutes to cook. And you have to get all the food out right at the same time. And still get the kids' food out first, make sure the kids are happy, and then make them happy that all the food's waiting and they get really upset. And I've actually had customers walk into the kitchen and ask, where's my food? Wow. And it's a very high-stress environment, and it takes yep. the joy out of it. Well, thank goodness we can make choices. And oh, we yes. can, there, just as your example, do we need 
great cooks? Absolutely. Are you going to be one? Am I going to be one? Apparently not. And that's okay. We can do things that we are drawn to. Hmm. And I just blanked on the last big question uh, there. We hit the two big ones. Wow, we're moving quick today. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no more Mondays. I didn't read the book. Yeah, again, I've got such a big list I've gone through. Um, but can you tell me a little bit more about Mondays and why Mondays are so stressful for people? That was why I wanted to talk about that one. Okay. All right. Yeah, and they really are. But we can show that. I mean, there are more heart attacks Monday mornings between 8 and 10 o'clock than any other time of the week. And with different time zones, like you being in Norway, me being in Florida, USA, very different. We can still, it's between 8 and 10 o'clock. Because people are going to jobs that they really detest going to. There are more male suicides on Sunday night than any other time of the week. With that dreaded thought, tomorrow morning I got to get up and go to that job. So uh, I wrote that book, No More Dreaded Mondays, because if you really can find work that you love, that you're passionate about, that creates generous income for you, then you don't fear Monday morning. Monday morning can be a a joyful time, just like any other time of the week. The whole concept behind retirement implies as soon as I get enough money stashed away where I can quit this stinking job and then do what I really enjoy, then I'll be happy. Well, what a novel thought. What if you figured out how to enjoy doing something that is profitable, and in doing so, retirement loses its appeal. We see people go into their 70s, 80s, and even 90s where they continue not because they need the money, but because they need the fulfillment of doing work that matters, something they care about. So this whole idea, you can erase the fear of Monday simply by finding work that you care about. Yeah, and that's a great thought. And that's something that you and the rabbi and myself and the first person I heard it from was Larry Burkett about not retiring. Retiring is you shouldn't be doing something. It's not biblical even. And I even like what the rabbi says. Well, if you do retire, maybe you should just see it as a change of occupation instead of quitting work. And that often is true. I mean, these days when longevity has increased so much, Hmm. if somebody retires at a normal age of like 65, I mean, they may be looking at another 20 years of productive living. Wow. You don't want to have to play golf for 20 years. You you better figure out what that encore career is going to look like. may not be just to increase your financial portfolio, but some reason to get up in the morning, the purpose to get up and go do something. I'm glad the colonel decided to uh, keep working. Well, he kind of had to at that point to uh, create KFC. Yeah, he did. He he was not in a good financial position, but he knew what he cared about, what he was passionate about. He wanted other people to experience it. And after a whole lot of stops, found that yeah. first restaurant to pay him a nickel a chicken to use his recipe. Yeah, and what, he was 67 or something like that? I can't remember. 60, he was 65. 65. Got his first, got his first Social Security check. $102. And he thought, okay, I can learn to live on this, or I can figure something out to continue making money. Now, what would you say to people like my good friend, Dave, he's, he's going to be plenty of permission to, to use his name and make fun of him as well, not Dave Ramsey, another guy named Dave. All right. And he's, 
seems to be afraid of switching the, the fear of the whole nine to five job. He's been working at Walmart, I think now for 17 or 18 years straight. Uh-huh. And he's probably pretty wisely passed at management because now he makes more than half the managers because <laughs> they're on salary and he works less and makes more than they do. All right. Because the salary, they work sometimes 18, 20 hours a week and they don't get a single nickel extra. He works a lot more. He gets overtime pay and he's set. And he's doing okay, but he's not doing great. And he drives me and his other friends crazy to this day because we know how smart he is. He has wonderful potential. He knows how to build computers. He fixes people's computers all the time. He's really intelligent in that sense, but he's just afraid of making that change. Kind of a failure to launch type of situation on that yeah. end. So well, we know that good is the enemy of the best. And hmm. sometimes just being comfortable is a pretty attractive position. So unless the pain of where he is outweighs the risk that he thinks is ahead of him to do something else, he'll probably just stay there and probably okay. Probably no need to talk him out of that. Uh, a lot of people do that, but it's best to take the initiative when you're in a positive position. If he loses his job and doesn't get a paycheck next Friday, the best way to solve that is go get another job because it's immediate. So the best time to start exploring new opportunities may have much bigger potential, but not as immediate return is to start it when you're already in a good position, when you've got a good core career. But then if you start spending like 15 hours a week where you start doing something on the side, and we've had a lot of people who have in using that 15 hours, get up to making 50% of what they're making in their regular job. Well, then you can see the trajectory and realize if I spent the rest of my time doing this, I could close the gap and bypass it pretty easily. So I'm not opposed to somebody having a core career, but if you have any idea that you want to develop on your own, do that without risking your current job, but do it and just, there's, there's no downside. Just see what you can develop. See if you can get the 50% of your current income in six months. If you can, it's probably going to get your attention and cause you to consider some new options. Yeah, it's very important. And again, if you can find something that you can be or already are passionate about. And one thing I was thinking uh, about the whole passion thing, I remember one of the things is you might be passionate about something that's a need that other people are passionate about that can you can build a business off of it you might not even realize it. And that's where the guy I'm working for now is. He loves old classic arcade games. He has several in his house. He's got a little mini arcade in his house. He's got like four or five of them in his house. He's got a, even cut out a wall and installed a giant racing game where you sit down in the race cars and drive it. Mm. <laughs> he cut out a wall to get this thing in and then put the wall back up. Wow. He's that passionate about these games. And I'm decently passionate about it. I worked in an arcade for like seven years. I like the games. I'm not at his level, but I'm fairly passionate. And what did he do? He started building these machines and selling them for other people because he loves them. All right. He loves them so much. He figures I would buy these if I could have someone make them for me. 
So he learned how to make his own. And other people wanted him to make his own. And it just developed into a full-blown business. Now he has a business partner, a full-time salesperson. And we're working on making 10 arcade cabinets this week. And I can't remember what they go for, but they're like $1,100, $1,500 for the small ones, $2,500 for the big ones or something like that. I'm trying to remember what they cost and then the price conversion in my head. Okay. So, and he's selling 10 a week. Wow. So from something that he just was having fun and passionate about. And can we, any last thoughts you want for my listeners, entrepreneurs? And could you tell me a little bit about that other book that you wrote with your son? Yes, absolutely. In terms of entrepreneurs, we know that the economy is unpredictable worldwide right now, especially after this last year. But there's always going to be change. I mean, and, and that doesn't frighten entrepreneurs. I mean, we eat change for breakfast. We're always looking for new ways to do things. We aren't looking for things to be back to normal or to stay the same. So if you're wired like that, this is as good a time as any. It's not going to get better. It's probably not going to get worse. It's just a great time to move into that. And my encouragement to people is it's never too late to have a new beginning. So no matter what your age is, if you're frustrated with what you're doing, your occupation, profession, boy, now's a great time to make a new start, draw in the sand, start something new. The, the other book that you reference that you see behind me there is Wisdom Meets Passion. I wrote that with my son, who at the time was living in Rwanda. And we wrote it just to look at the different kind of things where there are generational differences in how we view them, be that finances. As an example, you know, I grew up in a generation where we really were following Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where at the bottom is safety and security. Then comes, you know, belonging, then self-esteem at the very top, transcendence or self-actualization. And you would never do something that was noble or that was going to help make the world a better place until you had all those things underneath taken care of. Well, now with this generation, you know, your generation, we see kids who they don't care about having a white picket fence and a four bedroom house and a Mercedes in the driveway. You know, they live out of a suitcase, stay in somebody's closet, no big deal. And they're involved in causes, things that are really going to make a difference. So the book addresses those kind of things at the very core, our beliefs and values are identical. But the way we implement, the way we apply things, the way we engage in the workplace today is different. But it was a delightful book to, to read, uh, to write together. I think it's probably my best work, Wisdom Meets Passion. Nice. I'm going to definitely have to go get that and download it. Okay, everyone. Um, we're going to wrap this up. It's been half an hour. Thank you so much for your time. And if you want more, where's the best way? 48days.net. Any other place that's the best way to go get more information? Actually, 48days.com. Is it .com or which one's .net? I can't remember which one I've used. .net was was a previous online community we had. okay. That'll redirect you to our new Eagles community online. But uh, 48days.com is a great starting point for a lot of the questions we've addressed here and just a lot Mm. of resources there as well. 48days.com. And I will put that into the description as well. So you can go click on that, guys. Thank you so much, Dan Miller. It's been great. And hopefully we can do this again sometime.
All right. Hey, great talking to you, Isaiah. Thanks for having me as a guest. You're welcome. Okay, that was the interview with Dan Miller. He is a genuinely nice guy. Really, really nice. I really enjoyed that interview. I got a lot out of it. He really clarified some things for me, too. The difference between what makes a businessman and a person who creates a job for themselves. That's one thing I really took away. And it explains a lot. Where a lot of people create a job for themselves. And they kind of get stuck and they work even harder. Whereas a businessman creates a job where they can make money while they're on a beach, while they're asleep, etc. The business does not need them to live. Which is a pretty rare thing when it comes to different things, especially balloonars. Anyway, I really think that's a great takeaway from this conversation. He's a great guy. Hopefully I can have him on again in the future. All these guys I've been interviewing have been nice. Next week, I will also be interviewing the second half of the team that brought us the Go-Giver, John David Mann. We're going to be sitting there talking about the Go-Giver and other books he's working on, and perhaps about being an author, what it means to be an author. I think that'd be a great conversation to have, as he's written multiple books. So, next week, we're going to have, again, John David Mann. I'm excited about that, and I will see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. If you found value in this content, please leave a comment and give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform you use. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. If you would like to support us, you can check out our sponsor links, or if you would like to directly support the show, you can donate or join our membership program at buymeacoffee.com forward slash bootstrap. Of course, it really helps when you share these podcasts as well. If you would like to interact with me and other bootstrappers and leaders, you can join our O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast Facebook group. You have been listening to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast and Athos Business Solutions Podcast. For our companion podcast, the Athos Business Podcast, hosted by Jason St. Clair, past episodes, and related blogs, check out our website at www.athos.com, which is www.athos.com or a the oz.com. Until next time, I've been your friendly neighborhood entrepreneur, Isaiah O'Connor.